This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, Richard Quinsoses from the Labor's International Union of North America joins to talk about union jobs in North Alabama. Thanksgiving was a couple of days ago, providing needed time off for some, and we deserve more. We talk about what workers and bosses were up to last week and the South, all that and more on today's Valley Labor Report. If you want to be part of the program today, we've got a phone number. The line's not open, though. Uh, we're not, uh, don't have time for that. Don't have time for calls, but you can text us. You can send us a text message at 844-899-TVLR. If you want us to respond to something on the air, uh, it will be more likely to uh, respond to a text message than something in the chat. But you can also... Hang out with folks in the chat in YouTube on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, so if you want to send us a text message, that's 844-899-TVLR. That's 844-899-8857. You can also leave us a voicemail or send a text message throughout the week, and we might respond on the next program. If you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, you can find us anywhere you find anything online, in particular on our website, tvlr.fm. You can sign up to our newsletters there and get last week in Southern Labor and Boss Watch in your email inbox every single week. We are, of course, also on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook, and other places at the Valley Labor Report. Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners. So if you want to become a sustaining donor to the program uh, or make a one-time donation, you can go to our website at tvlr.fm slash donate uh, or buy our merch at tvlr.fm slash store. You can also become a patron at Patreon dot com slash the valley labor report and if you're a member of a union then please do think about getting your local or international or region or whatever to sponsor the show you can reach out to us for more details on that let me add a disclaimer that any viewpoints or opinions expressed in this program belong solely to their author and do not necessarily represent any organization or sponsor we welcome all of our listeners, whether you are on YouTube, Facebook, Unclaimed Mysteries Internet Radio, WVNN, WZZA, WHIV, or through your favorite podcast app. We are proud to be part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network and encourage our listeners to check that out. As most of you know, we are not media professionals. 
just a few diehard unionists who believe that Alabama and the South's labor movement and working class deserve a bigger platform. We're hoping this project can make a difference on that front, and we could not do it without you. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. Whether you're a loyal fan or a first-time listener, we appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Uh, workers are always on the move in the South and everywhere, and that's why we bring what happened last week in the labor movement in the South to you every single week, uh, because we don't get enough love in the mainstream media, so we try to provide a corrective. So here's what workers in the U.S. South and the American colonies were up to in the week ending on the 24th of November. In new election filings, the employer filed for a union election after a majority of the 237 workers at Nursing and Rehab Center Riverwood Center, LLC, in Jacksonville, Florida, showed support for unionization with the Independent Association of Public and Private Employees. Eight workers at the Student Borrower Protection Center in Washington, D.C., filed for a union election with the Office and Professional Employees International Union, OPEIU, Local 39. Three workers at Alliance Mobile, uh, Alliance Mobile <laughs> in Bristol, Virginia, filed for a union election with the Communication Workers of America, CWA, as did three more in Kingsport, Tennessee. 241 workers at Costco in Norfolk, Virginia, filed for a union election with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Local 822. 27 workers at Coca-Cola Consolidated in Beckley, West Virginia, filed for a union election with the Teamsters, Local 175. And 10 workers at Waxwork Records in Harahan, Louisiana, filed for a union election with the Teamsters, Local one, uh, Local 270. 55 workers at Evonik in Little Rock, Arkansas, filed for a union election with the United Steelworkers International Union, USW, and 48 workers at Kinergy Corporation in Henderson, Kentucky, filed for a union election with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IBEW, Local 1701. We had a couple of campaign updates last week where workers who are organizing with the Amazon Labor Union in the company's biggest air hub in northern Kentucky allege illegal retaliation after 11 pro-union workers were given a final written warning for participating in union tabling, a federally protected activity. In an unfortunate update to the union campaign of the staff of the Harris County Democratic Party in Texas, the chair of the party is now challenging the appropriateness of the bargaining unit, which is a common stalling and suppression tactic in union elections. We had a few election results and withdrawals. First up, a petition to decertify Starbucks Workers United as the union representing 20 workers at a location in Roanoke, Virginia, was withdrawn last week, meaning that SBWU will continue to represent the workers at that location. 27 workers at Science News Media Group in Washington, D.C. voted 19-3 to in favor of unionization with the Washington Baltimore News Guild, local 32035. 20 workers at Aerostar Airport Holdings in Carolina, Puerto Rico voted 18 to 0 in favor of unionization with the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, IAMAW. 
Workers at Lush Cosmetics in Lexington, Kentucky voted 6-1 to one in favor of unionization with the United Food and Commercial Workers, UFCW Local 227. 29 workers at Durham School Services, a bus transportation company in Memphis, Tennessee, voted 18-5 to five in favor of unionization with the Teamsters Local 667. 17 workers at Starbucks in Midwest City, Oklahoma, voted 13-3 to three in favor of unionization with Starbucks Workers United. 82 workers at Controls Southeast in Pineville, North Carolina, voted 11 to 66 against unionization mm. with the United Association of Plumbers and Pipefitters, UA Local 421. That one hurt. Workers at Red Label Dispensary withdrew their petition for a union election with UFCW Local 1000. And finally, workers at Marshall University in West Virginia announced the formation of the Marshall University Workers Union, affiliated with the West Virginia Industrial Workers of the World, IWW. Uh, in strikes and bargaining updates, you may have noticed that there were two election filings at an Alliance Mobile last week. Well, AT&T is outsourcing their brick-and-mortar retail locations to Alliance in an attempt to get away from unions, in particular the CWA, who represent tens of thousands of their employees nationwide. As you can see, CWA is following them to their outsourcing partner, and they've already won an election at an Alliance Mobile's mobile store in Selma, Alabama, and they are struggling mightily for a first contract. Their first bargaining session is scheduled for next week. Volkswagen uh, is following the crowd, joining other non-union automakers doling out raises after the UAW contract negotiations. They announced an 11% raise effective in December and a compressed progression schedule beginning in February. The Chattanooga plant, where the UAW conducted a failed union drive several years ago, even put out its own promotional video. Nissan did as well, with an announced 10% raise and tier eliminations. These improvements can be taken away at any time, unlike the UAW's wins at the big three automakers. BCTGM members who manufacture soy protein for IFF in Memphis, Tennessee, continue the strike they've been on since June, and Anheuser-Busch walked away from contract negotiations with Teamsters last week as the union asked for assurances that the brewer will maintain operations across its unionized U.S. facilities, refusing to discuss job security protections for workers. In policy, politics, and legislation, IBD IBEW Local 520 in Texas Education Austin and the Austin, Texas Central Labor Council have joined the growing chorus of unions and organizations of working people calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. The American Postal Workers Union has supported a ceasefire for some time, and the national president, Mark Demonstein, recently wrote a column for The Nation explaining why he supports a ceasefire and justice for Palestinians as a Jewish labor leader. Alabama's overall infant mortality rate reached the lowest point ever since the state began collecting such data in the 60s. But it's not all good news as the infant mortality rose for black Alabamians. The Tennessee Center for Employee Ownership hosted an event discussing new legislation that was recently passed in Tennessee that is designed to help offset the cost of setting up an employee-owned company in the state with tax credits. In the next legislative session, State Senator Paige Wally will be working to get dedicated funding for this work in the governor's budget. 
And uh, if we missed anything, let us know about your union updates. You can send us a note at tvlr.fm contact, and you can sign up for our newsletter there as well. We're going to be right back talking to Richard Quinsoses with the Labor's International Union about union jobs in North Alabama. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. Benefit Architects has proudly supported union members and union-made products for over 35 years. If you are a federal employee and an AFGE member, you're eligible for hundreds of dollars in money-saving benefits, including group life insurance, dental insurance, and AFLAC insurance. Additionally, if you're a union member but don't work for the federal government, you can still qualify for several of these money-saving policies. So give Tate Cure a call at 256-215-6769 for details and to enroll. Again, that is Tate Cure at 256-215-6769. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and family members are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough even to keep their jobs. We can fix this. It's time for us to find a way to close the health care coverage gap so that people can remain at work. Let's make this a priority. Let's close this gap and cover Alabama. To learn more and how you can help, visit CoverAlabama.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Are you looking for a better future, a career that can have you set for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? If you are, then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. The work of IUPAT is all around us, from the industrial painters who work on the bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glazers who install the glass in our skylines, and so much more. With an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn and receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right, no student debt. 
Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families. And you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. Again, that phone number is 205-603-3142. Come build a better future with us today and join IUPAT. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior Law. The name with proven results. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Come all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. And you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator, Adam Keller. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, We've got a phone number. The line isn't open, but you can still send us a text message, 844-899-8857. We appreciate everybody joining us in the chat. Uh, Jacob Jones and D.L. Cindero. Um... Jacob says, hoping this stream restores some sanity to me after the holiday. Um, You know, all things considered, I had a great Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about that uh, a little bit more, um, a little bit more here in a few minutes. Uh, DL Cinderella says, good morning, comrades, fellow workers, appreciate that. Um, If you uh, uh, wanted to give y'all this reminder, it's been a while since I've made this plug, but... uh, Susan Kang is a professor of political science at John Jay College-CUNY in New York, and she's interviewing Southern workers, all industries, but particularly the private sector, who have participated in a union organizing drive uh, by filing NLRB elections or getting voluntary recognition in the past five years. Interviews take one hour are anonymous, and subjects will be compensated $25 for their time. If you qualify for that and are interested, then reach out to her at skang at jjay.cuny.edu. That is skang at jjay.cuny.edu. Richard Kinsosis is an international uh, organizer for the Labor's International Union of North America, Local 366, covering our region. Uh, Richard, uh, it's been a while uh, since I've been talking to you, trying to get you on the, uh, talking about getting you on the show. Uh, appreciate you making the time this morning. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, participating with your listeners and your viewers. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, um, Richard, to start off with, can we talk? Uh, can Can you tell us about what got you into you know the labor movement? Why Why is it that you know, uh, you know, 
you wanted to do this kind of work instead of anything else? Well, I'm a third generation unionist, right? My, my grandfather immigrated from Cuba, um, trying to get away from communism and came to this country for a better life and a better freedom and joined the union. And so did my father join the union. So did my mother join the union. And uh, I followed the nurse footsteps in, in from the strike lines in New York City to what I do now. I joined building trades. I, I, I enjoyed uh, and an aspect of my life when uh, um, the economy was not doing well. I joined the union and I joined the laborers union and it taught me a trade and through an apprenticeship program that um, built a career for myself that actually is now in its forefront right here as an organizer with the same organization. And what made you uh, want to um, come uh, off of the, you know, the job site to uh, uh, to become a, a staff organizer for the union and, and visit a lot of job sites? <laughs> so, Jacob, it's it's a funny story that you had. It's a, it's a really funny story. Thanks for the question. It's came back to, uh, you know, right after I was uh, doing a mass concrete pouring job, um, I was asked to do a 10-day organizing class, and I thought it was a vacation trip. I had planned to pull the bar and all that. <laughs> and when I got a reality check that it was a really intense organizing class on stuff that I had no knowledge of as a worker. Mm. And uh, when I saw workers out there uh, making seven, eight, nine, ten dollars an hour is doing the same thing that I was doing under my union contract. Mm. It kind of pissed me off and kind of activated me, right? To an activist. So um I believe it's it's more of servicing our members and servicing our communities and servicing the workers and building a, a future workforce is what I love to do. So um Local 366 here in North Alabama, they're uh, headquartered in Sheffield, the Muscle Shoals area, but their jurisdiction extends uh, to over here in Huntsville, and um, they are in your region, the region that you represent. Um, what do Local 366 members do around here? Well, um, Local 366 members do construction work. Uh, we pretty much uh, service TVA. Uh, a lot of our members work near Athens at the Bronze Ferry Nuclear uh, Power Plant. Um, and we're building with this new infrastructure uh, um, uh, law that came in from, from the Biden administration. We're building um, back Alabama through infrastructure, right? And uh, building back through education and uh, training and and sending folks off to a career path to a better future. So uh, we're generally general construction workers uh, and uh, and nuclear workers. And um, uh, uh, you, so Browns Ferry is kind of the hub of of most of your members around here. Browns Ferry and and any any TVA um, um, subdivision office or whatever project that we're we'll be we'll be doing that'll be our major contractor out there. But we're building we're building good relationships with solar solar farms in the area, and uh, we're we're trying to build back better relationships and uh, try to get more market share growth in that area. Mm. I saw that um, the uh, there was a tri trade solar agreement and we didn't we, you mentioned you mentioned solar and it made me think of this we didn't talk about this yesterday so i don't know how much you know about it but um i understand that that 
Lyuna, the IBEW, and uh, there was one other union that that did like this. Engineers. Big, the the operating engineers. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Can you talk to us about that that agreement and what what that does for you know organizing in the solar industry for the trade unions? Well, it, it 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 makes it easier, right? The three locals, the three unions that would actually be doing the work have come together to organize the portion of the groundwork, the electrical work, and the and the moving of equipment work, which would be the operating engineers with the cranes and all that. It's a, a it's a, a it's a huge partnership. Um, it's a uh, an agreement. It's going to be nationwide, and it's going to be pretty much easy to use here in, in the state of Alabama. Uh, so it's it's going to be something that's going to be uh, in a way that we can all work together between the three trade unions to build um, better capacity and infrastructure in gaining these projects. Yeah, I, I was really excited when I saw that. And, you know, another it, it one other thing that it, it does is it kind of helps to, uh, um, you know, kind of redefine the or, or, you know, make sure that everybody understands like, wh OK, where are we going? You know, what's the game plan? So that, uh, folks aren't stepping on each other's toes. Um, and uh, that, it's always good because there's so much so much work to be done. There's not really a whole lot of sense in stepping on stepping on each other's toes when there's so many workers to organize. Uh, so I, I, I really like seeing that uh, agreement when it came out. Um, and you, you mentioned that, you know, really the thing that kind of activated you to, you know, turned you into uh, uh, from a union member who kind of, you know, generally appreciated unionism, recognized that it helped you into somebody that was, passionate and and you know some like a, a unionist uh you know capital u an activist uh was seeing people doing the exact same work for you know a fraction of what uh what you were making doing the same job and uh we know that uh you know i we've gone over studies here on the show that that ha have talked about how construction industry workers are actually something like 40 percent of them are uh, on some form of public assistance. Uh, they have a higher rate of, you know, utilizing public assistance than the national average. Um, and that's not true for uh, union construction workers. Union construction workers actually make, you know, above the, uh, uh, at or above the medi national median income. Um, you know, people who go through a four-year trade union apprenticeship actually make you know, as much as somebody who has a college degree, and then they also don't have the debt. So can you talk to us about the, uh, you know, the compensation package that um, uh, Lyona members here in North Alabama get? Well, like you said, you broke into the uh, training programs and apprenticeship, right? We were, we're 2024 is, is looking bright for the laborers. Um, you know, we are, are pushing forward on a national campaign of labor's rising, which is an organizing campaign, uh, which uh, right now we're at 50, 550,000 members strong. Uh, our national president wants us to take it to a million. And that's our, you know, it's a bold and strong um, organizing plan. And, and we're and we're up for the task, right? And what is that uh, right now? Uh, concentrating in more apprenticeship hours, uh, apprenticeship uh, program is going to be 
running through not only our Sheffield office, but we also have a hub in Huntsville. We're going to meet, we're going to be organizing um, straight in, in Alabama. Compensation, hey, that's, look, I I, I, I talked to relative, uh, uh, I, my father's been retired for 30 years and been earning that union pension for over 30 years, right? Uh, we have one of the best pensions in the building trades, if not the best. Uh, our insurance uh, plans are amazing. So, you know, our benefit package is something that will make your family strong and is going to give you a stability to be proud of. I saw this as a as a as a as a gain. Uh, you know, when I first started, um, I, I was at my own business and I was I was fine. I thought, you know, worrying day by day. But when I started getting that and seeing that pension plan grow and grow and grow, makes me feel way better now mm. than I did back then. Seeing it then, seeing that like that. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. What what yeah, can yeah. Uh, what is the the hourly wage? Uh, you know the the scale for folks here in North Alabama. I'm not sure if you know exactly well, the the because you got a lot of locals in your jurisdictions. So I don't know. Yeah, but maybe so, you know something so, like a ballpark. Yeah, between seventeen to twenty-one dollars an hour is our ballpark. Uh, depending, uh, nuclear out, nuclear workers make a little bit more. And the the pension is really, uh, you know, that's really something that's kind of uh, um, like really outside of the norm for, uh, you know, jobs today. Uh, most jobs you're going to, uh, if you get any kind of retirement at all, uh, any kind of retirement plan, it's going to be a 401k. Can you talk to us about the difference between a, a pension and a 401k and, and why, you know, you really want, what you really want is the pension? <laughs> yeah, so, so. So you're, you're, the employer is putting into money into your pension plan. So you're putting money into your pension. So it's a build, it's, it's built on, on multiple people, uh, you know, putting money into this bank. Uh, this bank is not going to go anywhere, right? Uh, 401k, uh, 401k is a savings account, right? It's pretty much uh, money that you can put in from your some employers might match some employers might not match right a 401k is nothing like a pension plan a pension plan is something that you can you can be very reliable on at, at the moment of retirement um so that's pretty much what i yeah yeah no that it's it's uh you know defined benefit versus defined contribution is uh, really the the easiest way to think about it um and it's uh you know you you don't want to have to uh be close to retirement and then something like 2008 happen again and you have to put retirement off for a few years um it's really the 401k is um really one of the biggest scams that's been you know sold to the american people um but you mentioned that uh uh training and you know building out your apprenticeship program is something that uh you are uh that the laborers are are going to be doing not only here in Huntsville and in, in North Alabama but nationwide. I mean, I had no idea about that uh the goal to take your membership from from 550,000 to a million. I mean, that is a uh that that's huge. That would, you know, not only be good for the laborers but for, you know, for all of the labor movement, you know, we talk we talk so much on the show about how a rising tide lift, lifts all boats. And if y'all can do something like double your membership 
that's going to be great, and it's going to require a lot of work. And uh, and a big part of that work, uh, you said, is, is going to be building out your apprenticeship program. What does that look like? I'm a senior in high school, let's say, and I come to you, I sign up, I get accepted into the apprenticeship program. Okay, what's next? Well, look, first step is to go to, to our website, lauinalocal366.com, or call our, our local at 256-383-2466 just to get the ball rolling, right? Um, once once, once a, a, a person applies and gets into our training program, um, what is that going to look like? Well, you're going to be doing hours in the classroom and you're going to be doing hours at the workplace, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a classroom and train on the job and earn money while you're training program, right? So you're gonna be earning not the same scale as a journeyman, but you'll be earning a, a, a living wage that's gonna take you up to that scale, right? As you're going through your training. And there's gonna be concrete placement classes, flagging classes, scaffold building classes, ringing classes, rate checking classes, forklift classes, we just gave a fence count, uh, a class recently on a general construction class. So we're gonna we're upping our training classes for Alabama. And 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 why is that? The plan is to build back Alabama with infrastructure strong, you know, uh, and and build it back with a trained workforce, with workforce development and education. Um, our our average work uh, construction worker right now averaging in his is in his mid fifties right now. So how long is that going to last? So we need to up that training and, and, and make folks understand that, hey, look, college is not it for everybody. Right. This is a pathway for no loans, no student loans. And this is a pathway to a free education with a, a career path to a career that you will be proud of. And it opens a lot of doors for you. Look, I was a concrete worker. And now I'm a, I'm a regional organizer. I worked... I work for my union. I, I I I I work for the people that gave me the opportunity to start with, right? So right. there's opportunities for everybody that puts that foot in the door and continues moving it forward. You talked about uh, earlier, you know, how important the health insurance and the pension plan is. Does that start as an apprentice? Yes. Yes. That's you're 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 from the moment that you start working on the job you're earning, you're, you're working your hours in, right? And once you start accumulating your hours and you have the hours that that local requires for your insurance and your pension to kick in, then all of a sudden it, it, you, you, everybody has it. Right now, the only training facility that Local 366 has is in Muscle Shoals. But um, like Correct. you said, you know, you're, you're wanting to build out the... Uh, um, the training capacity for Huntsville and, and the, your training center is that's going to be at your local hall that you have right now in Huntsville. No, we have a training facility, uh, also next, uh, in Hunts in, in, uh, well in Sheffield, right. In Huntsville, right. it'll be within our local office. Correct. In our home, in our local Huntsville office. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. And and for uh for those who don't know the the Liuna Local 366 office in Huntsville 
is uh, right across from Stove House. So uh, very, very centrally located. Once they get that training facility up and running, that's going to be very convenient for area students. So uh, definitely keep that in mind. Um, okay, so, you know, the apprenticeship program, that's a big part of the campaign to build a membership and build market share for the laborers union. But uh, that's not the only uh, way that y'all, that, that's not the only thing that y'all are going to be doing. Y'all are also wanting to recruit uh, journeymen. Um, and, and you're interested in, in bringing journeymen onto, uh, you know, into the local through your union contractors, you know, getting them to leave their non-union job and come on uh, and start working for a union contractor, or even potentially organizing a non-union contractor. Uh, talk to us about if, if I'm a journeyman and, uh, and, and I want to uh, uh, join uh, Local 366, what steps do I need to take for both of those two pathways? So, so look, it's, and thanks for asking me that question. It's, it's, we're, our, our, we're, we're greater in numbers, right? Um, the reason why in the South with right to work and everything that we, the laws that we deal with, um, it's hard for, to build that power when, 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 when we're, we don't have, the strength and numbers of members, right? And that's where we're trying to grow in, in, in Alabama. Uh, a journeyman, a journeyman, if you have the experience and you've been doing construction work, there's a home for you here at Local 366. We're looking for experienced workers um, that want to earn uh, more money, want to earn that pension, want to earn uh, proper health insurance. Um, and, and and it's as easy as, as as the apprentices coming in, right? Layuna-local366.com, go to that website. Call the local at 256-383-2466. You know, reach out to me, Richard, um, one of the organizers on the ground. And um, and hey, it's it's as easy as that, as that phone call to come in. Um Show us the, the the whatever certifications you may have, whatever OSHA training you have, and then whatever you don't have in training, we'll give it to you. Pretty simple, sounds to me. Uh, Richard Quinsoses, uh, regional organizer for the Labor's International Union of North America. Uh, is there anything else that you want to make sure that our audience, uh, uh, you want to leave our audience with before we let you go? Sure. No, and thank you again for having me here. On, on, on your station, I just wanted to say, look, um, unions are important, uh, especially in Alabama, especially in the construction industry. Uh, we need to, uh, you, you know, all that fake information out there about labor unions and labor unions are out for working people to defend your salaries, your wages, and your, and your pension plans and your insurance. All we're worried about is for a better future. Uh, for your for your family, I'm a living example of this. My family is a living example of this through my my grandfather, father, mother, and myself. And uh, and just give it an opportunity, give it a shot. If you're a journeyman that have no knowledge of labor unions, come call me, visit me, and we'll have that discussion. Um, and 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 uh, and and join our family in, to a career that you will not regret of, of, of following through. Thank you. All right. Uh, Richard, appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Richard. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right.
Richard Quinto says, Labor's International Union of North America, Local 366. Make sure you check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Especially those of you who are you know, looking at a new career path or if you know yep. people who need a new career path. If you High school student, you have children, have grandchildren. People, um, yeah. You know, someone who maybe is looking for a second career, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you've been doing isn't working out for you. You want to give something else a shot. Uh, check them out. Really consider giving them a shot. Uh, and if you know people working in the construction industry, definitely send them to Lyona. Uh, it's really important that these jobs be good union jobs, that they provide that good health care and pension and, and the benefits that folks need when they do this important work. Appreciate everybody in the chat. Austin, Quirky, Geek Girl, Leeler, and Jared. Good morning, everybody. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, So Thanksgiving was just a couple of days ago. Uh, We're all still uh, coming out of our food comas. Um, I had some great food, as always. My Mima makes some amazing turkey dressing. The best best there is comes from my Mima. And, um, you know, had, had a good Thanksgiving, really enjoyed uh, the time uh, spent with our uh, with my family, um, with, uh, you know, with my family and my wife's family. Uh, we had a really, really bad scare with my granddaddy, um, thought he had a stroke and it, he, it's looking more like he just uh, fainted um, because of low, bro- low blood pressure. He's still in the hospital right now, but that happened. I mean, that was really scared in the like uh we had just finished eating we were all still sitting at the table hadn't even got to dessert yet um and uh and he starts having this episode and um you know so that was that was really scary and that along with um there was an article in Jacobin magazine titled Americans want to spend want more time to spend with their loved ones capitalism doesn't let them and that's you know we absolutely should have more time than we do to spend with our families before it's too late. Um, and and even, you know, outside of, you know, before it's too late, but just generally speaking, we should have more free time and we can do with that whatever we will instead of spending so much of our lives making a profit for somebody else. So this article really got me thinking and and there's a lot of good information in it um, again, Americans want more time to spend with their loved ones, and capitalism doesn't let them. By Liza Featherstone in uh, Jacobin Magazine, so she talks about how you know you've got this annual you know clickbait really about the stress of the holidays and how to uh, you know how to talk about politics at the Thanksgiving uh, you know the dinner table, and you know here's a here's one hot tip: uh, don't. Uh, that's <laughs> that's always good advice. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, w- with all of those, she says, you know, you might really think that we are a nation of Scrooges. We hate our families. We don't like holidays. Uh, we don't like, uh, you know, uh, uh, family dinners. This is all terrible. We hate it so much. Uh, but that's not actually true, according to the data. Um, most of us love being with our family and friends. That's just shocking, shocking news. Uh, but according to a recent study from the Pew Research Center, <laughs> Spending time with family far outweighs other priorities, with about 9 in 10 Americans 
calling it very important or one of the most important things. And no other response came close. Religion and exercise were neck and neck for the second place, but far behind. And career success trailed those two. And uh, she mentions that, you know, the political right conservatives, Republicans, they make a lot of hay about being, you know, we are the family values camp, right? These are the people that supposedly care more about families than, than other people, than unions or than the left. Um, but this, uh, the desire for more family time is not correlated at all with party affiliation. It, it is equally true of Democrats and Republicans, so that's kind of something interesting to uh, interesting to think about. Um, and then, even beyond family, Americans also place a premium, she says, on friendship. About 6 in 10 U.S. adults report having close friends is, quote, very or extremely important, unquote, to a fulfilling life. A much higher proportion than, say, the same about possessing lots of money or even being married or having kids. And so these are things that that Americans, that working people self-report as rating very highly on, you know, the importance scale. We think that all of these things are really important. We think that it's important for a good life to spend time with our family, to have close friends, to spend time with our friends and all of this kind of stuff. But our economic system undervalues those priorities by a lot. Americans clearly want the company of their loved ones, Liza says, and not just on holidays. But we are overstressed and overworked compared to our peer countries. According to a report from the International Labor, Associ uh, International Labor Organization on Work-Life Balance, Americans are on the clock for hundreds of hours more per year than our counterparts in Germany and more than any of the other five rich countries in the survey. Australia, the UK, Sweden, Belgium, and France. So, you know, we are always sold this message about America, the United States, being the best country in the history of the world. And the reason for that is that we are supposedly the most free country in the world. Right. That's the thing about America that, that, that you know, the people, the the real, uh, you know, America boosters that they say the reason that we're the best country is that we are the most free country. And yet in literally the most, you know, quantifiable metric of freedom, you know, how uh, freedom when I think of freedom, I think how much time do I have to do what I want? Right. That's kind of, you know, that just uh, or, or when I when I think of freedom, I think of doing what I want. Right. Being unencumbered by uh, uh, by restrictions and things holding me down, uh, uh, you know, holding me back from accomplishing my hopes and dreams and and um, and anything else that I that I want to do. That's what and I think that's I think that's a very common view of freedom. Right. I don't think that this is a this is a strange view of freedom. I think it's a very common view of freedom that freedom is the ability to unencumbered do what I want, obviously within reason. You know, the, your freedom to throw your fist ends where the other person's face begins. Right. 
That's a very common view of freedom. And yet, in the most quantifiable way that we can measure freedom, we are literally one of the least free industrialized and developed countries on the face of the earth. Meaning we are shackled to the workplace, to the workplace, which is, uh, as a reminder, a place where we leave our rights as a citizen at the door. We spend more hours in this, in, in this tyrannical place you know, definition, definitionally tyranny is, is, uh, is a situation where you don't have control, where somebody else is controlling you and the surroundings and your surroundings and, and your, you know, the, the situation, your conditions, right? That's kind of what you people think of when they think of tyranny. And what else does that describe? But the workplace, we spend hundreds of more hours in a tyranny than these other industrialized, developed, and rich countries. Uh, you know, I don't, it, it's very difficult to think of a more, you know, uh, uh, a better kind of uh, um, substitute or a better uh, um, indicator of freedom than free time. And yet we have the least free time of, uh, basically any industrialized and developed country. And so this is very, you know, uh, it's very concerning, very concerning uh, when you think about that. Similarly, going back to the article, family dinner time is becoming a rare event, especially for poor and working class Americans. Only this, I mean, and this is really wild. Only 38% of Generation Z reports having regular family meal time. Among Americans without a college education, the percentage who grew up having dinner with their families is the same. In contrast, more than 6 in 10 Americans with a postgraduate education had family dinner together. Most parents, more than two-thirds, also wish they could share supper with their kids more often, making food-centered holidays like Thanksgiving particularly special and for many, you know, freighted with the pressure to make the most of it. And so that's why, you know, Thanksgiving is good, but it's not enough. We really need more. <laughs> we, America, needs more freedom. And that's really my kind of controversial take on Thanksgiving. We need more of it. Uh, we need more Thanksgiving. And, and you know, I, I started it off by saying, you know, there's a lot of people, Thanksgiving was a couple days ago. Most of us, I think, or a lot of us were off of work. But there's some of us who don't even get Thanksgiving, right? There are some people who have to work on Thanksgiving, one of the few days that we're supposed to have, uh, you know, to spend with our families. And in one of the least free time having societies in the industrialized world, there are still people who don't have this day of the year to spend with their families. And... Uh, including some people in union workplaces. I, and, and this was, you know, uh, this, this was convenient for me, but I, I would have rather just been inconvenienced and have to have, you know, maybe gone for, gone to my neighbor for this. But I went to Kroger on Thanksgiving morning <laughs> and I got eggs, a union workplace. And, uh, you know, shouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> I should have just had to borrow eggs from somebody. Um, and, you know, and those people are having to sacrifice this really important day for what? 
I mean, for really not a good enough reason. So, uh, so yeah, there we go. We need more freedom. We need more free time. And, and really the way to do that is by not only being in a union, not only joining a union, but really being active in it and being militant in it and, uh, uh, you know, and pushing for, for more freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Because the bosses don't give it to us. Absolutely. I think we, I couldn't agree more. We need more freedom. We need more time with our families. We need to be able to spend that time when we have it. Um, and I agree organizing, uh, is going to be the way we get there. Um, you know, I think we need a shorter work week personally. Uh, that yep. was a demand of the labor movement. Um, we came really close in the 1930s. Uh, the UAW brought it back up in recent months and their struggle with UAW. I think it's worth a conversation at the very least, uh, especially when you share the statistics about how much more Americans are working than other countries already. Uh, you think about the fact that so many Americans are having to work over 40 hours a week to make ends meet. Yeah. That's ridiculous, right? Absolutely. Uh, and in terms of working on holidays, again, you know, I, I agree with you. I would like to see everybody possible get those days off. And when folks have to work on holidays, they absolutely should have unions fighting for them to get, you know, double pay on those holidays. I think that is a reasonable thing. You're double gonna... pay or triple pay. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You should totally receive a premium for missing time with your family and, you know, instead spending time at work. Um, and so if you had to work on Thanksgiving and you didn't get paid extra for that, uh, I'd encourage you to organize. <laughs> yeah. uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because that is a big problem. That is a major problem. We need more time for family, uh, more time just for ourselves to do what we need to do. Too many folks are having to work too many hours, even in union workplaces, like you said. Um, you know, we interview people all the time and we hear people talking about 50 hour work weeks, 60 mm. hour work weeks, mm. 12 hour work days. That's yeah, unacceptable. It's, it's I mean. unacceptable in the year 2023. It's about to be 2024, right? Yeah. With the technology that we have, the capacity we have, it's just, you know, that is not acceptable for this day and age. Right. We're getting, uh, I, I'm getting text people telling me that they, they had to work on Thanksgiving at Walmart. And that's, and that's, you know, that's the other thing is that the, the, who are the people that actually have to work on Thanksgiving? It is really kind of the people at the bottom end of the economic strata. It's not, you know, the rocket scientists, right, at NASA. Uh, they're generally speaking, you know, they're not going to be the ones that have to work on Thanksgiving. It's the people who have the least ability to say no, who are the most economically precarious. Um, and, and you know, but there there are some people who, uh, who have been able to, um, you know, secure, like, okay, look, if you're going to, if you're going to make us work on Thanksgiving, we're going to make a lot of money. And um, John Ryan on Twitter, who is uh, the the Teamster UPS driver behind um, Union Drip, the Union Drip Twitter account, um, he said that uh, UPS drivers on the West Coast today, which was um, yesterday, actually on Friday even, uh, Thanksgiving Day and uh, Friday, Black Friday is a holiday pay for Teamsters at UPS, at least on the West Coast. $111 an hour for UPS drivers on the West Coast. Um, 
for Thanksgiving Day and Friday. And, you know, look. Uh, At those rates, I'd think about it. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I would think about it. You give me 100 bucks an hour, and I'm going to be like, okay. I you would know. talk to my family I, about that, uh, yeah, and we'd have a conversation, yeah. right? And Maybe we can reschedule Thanksgiving. Right. And, you know, make it worth people's time. Make, yeah. make it worth them making that sacrifice because you know if they do have to rearrange their entire schedule with their family that mm -hmm. is a sacrifice that they're making yep. um, and you wouldn't put them to work if you weren't going to profit off their labor that day right if it was not profitable for them to work on that day then you would just let them have the day off yeah um and you know in some cases you have to wonder how profitable is it really like right. some of these stores that stay open on thanksgiving right how much money are they making really um, is it really worth it? Um, you know, but again, when they see workers as expendable, you know, so they, right. they're not concerned about the Walmart workers and the Kroger workers and whether or not they've missed time with their families. The, the, because the bosses and the shareholders, they have time with their families whenever they want it. Uh, speaking of holidays, um, you know, we had a, a very a high holiday on Thursday, and we've got another high holiday today uh, for people in the South, the last day of the college football season. Regular season, we should, um, the, I should clarify, yeah, regular, regular season, season right? Yeah. There will be the conference championships and, and the bowls, yeah. of course. That's always a wonderful time. Yeah, but it's the last day of the regular college football season. The Iron Bowl is happening here in a bit. Um, Southern Miss is playing their last game at 11. And so in observance of this high holy day, we are canceling overtime. I hope people can forgive us for that. Um, but we are... Uh, we are canceling overtime in in observance of the the high Southern Holy Day of the last day of the college football season. I think, in the spirit of our last conversation, yeah. you know, had there been more <laughs> donations to tblr.fm/slash/donate, I would consider missing the Iron Bowl. I would I would keep on going through the Iron Bowl if y'all donated enough. But so keep that in mind for next year. You want us, you, you want right. us to uh, do overtime uh, on uh, the day after, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Give us triple time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, triple time. I'll think about it for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, big day, big day in Alabama. Yeah, absolutely, big day in Alabama. And you know, when you think about the football, when you think about college football, uh, you know, you should you should think about you know. Great time, good time with your families. You know, another kind of Thanksgiving esque kind of day—a day to spend with your family and have some have some fun, and maybe get a little, a little more rowdy than you would on Thanksgiving. Um, but you should also, you know, in the spirit of the conversation that we're having centering around workers, you should also think about the people who are making it possible uh, to watch uh, <laughs> the Iron Bowl or you know the last Southern Miss football game if anybody watches i don't know if you know me and like you know five <laughs> yeah, other people yeah. are gonna watch this game so. <laughs> adam and adam and the other five you know y'all should y'all should think about uh the the college football players who who do not get paid money <laughs> for this to do this they are they are finally starting to open up the name image and likeness stuff uh to get paid but um uh but still not nearly enough uh college football players are kind of at at that level or at a school where they have enough boosters to do this for a lot of people or um or there are a lot of college football players that are not at that level that are still 
doing so much work and providing so much value in the form of entertainment for so many people across the country um, and who, you know, do not get paid for it, <laughs> who don't get paid for it. And it's not even like this is, uh, you know, college football is is not a hazardous activity. Right. You know, I mean, I mean you know, there are some some sports that, that, that it's really not, you know, there's not a lot of safety issues involved in, in some sports. You know, maybe um, uh, what's the one where they like throw a puck on salt? Is that curling? You know, I don't imagine there's a lot of injuries in curling. Right. Um, I, but, you know, I think if it brings a lot of value to the unit to a college, they should get paid for the value that they create, obviously. But, you know, I don't imagine there's a whole lot of value created there. And I don't imagine that there's a whole lot of risk there. OK, so that's you know, we can set aside those sports, but at least for this discussion, but college football is so dangerous. The incidence of CTE is so high, um, you know, permanent brain damage. And then, you know, for a lot of the only very, very few, like single digit percentages of college football players go on to play in the NFL. But then even for the ones who have NFL prospects, right, um, who can expect to get uh, you know, a huge, you know, multi-million dollar contracts after they get out of college. Um, every year that they play college football, every time they get on the field, they're like risking everything, their whole career, because they could get injured and be knocked out of commission. And then what are they going to do for the rest of their life? Right. Um, it's just, they, they absolutely. And, and especially at, Southern universities like Alabama or Auburn, where the college football players bring in tens of millions of dollars a year, um, you know, where the uh, the head football coach is the highest paid public employee in the state. The idea that we could have the people that are actually, you know, playing the game and actually creating the value, not be making any money is so absurd that it's difficult to kind of wrap your mind around. Um, and that's why uh, college football players should take advantage of the recent NLRB ruling that uh, says they are employees and they have the right to unionize under the National Labor Relations Act <laughs> um, and collectively bargain with the NCAA and... Uh, and and get uh get that bag uh because uh somebody you know the question is not is there a bag that's going that somebody is taking home right the only question is who's getting it that uh and and right now the people who are getting it are people who are you know sitting on their bums uh right <laughs> and um you know not really producing the value they just own things so uh so yeah college football players you got to you got to unionize yeah, I would say so. I, I would encourage the players to organize because I think collectively they'll get a better deal than um, what they're going to get otherwise. Yeah. Uh, if they just leave themselves kind of at the mercy of the NCAA, of the colleges, of the TV networks, because they are a huge player here. Right. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. Um, like you said, there is a bag there. Um, and a lot of folks are making a lot of money. Um, even down into the coaches, you know, the average coach mm -hmm. in um, 
FBS uh, in you know Division One A football. I believe the average salary is three and a half million dollars plus you know perks that are much more generous than any other you know worker is going to receive anywhere else. You know, um, right. and you know that's not even the the grossest inequality, right? At least the the coaches are performing work. Right. They are working and bringing value, right? And there's no dispute that someone like Nick right. Saban has brought tremendous value to the University of Alabama and arguably the state of Alabama. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why Nick Saban's more popular than any politician here. But, you know, there is so much money being made and the folks who are actually putting their bodies at risk to create this entertainment for us, um, you know, they're they're being left out. And... While I think there's, you know, we've seen it loosen up with transfer rules and we've seen it loosen up with the NIL, the name image likeness. Um, and so there's more money floating around. There's more player autonomy, you know, ostensibly. Um, and to his credit, Nick Saban has been, you know, he's been really good on the issue is my understanding. Yeah. I mean, some coaches have been very negative about the idea of players receiving any compensation whatsoever. Um, you know, I think Dabo Sweeney out at Clemson has mm -hmm. been one of those. Um, but, you know, aside from that, though, I, I think it really is important that they organize collectively. Um, there is such inequities within college football, which is not a surprise, right? You know, sports right. often mirrors society. Uh, so there's no, you know, we live in a starkly unequal, inequitable society and economy. So, of course, college football landscape looks similar. Um, and you have universities like Alabama and Ohio State that are these huge mega industries with their athletic programs. Uh, but then you have a lot of other colleges that are bre barely breaking even. You have a lot of colleges and universities that are trying to like keep up this arms race and they really can't afford to. Uh, they're putting money in athletics when they probably should be spending it mm -hmm. on, you know, academics, right. which is right. supposedly the reason they're all there. Um, yeah, so there's just a lot of issues there, but I think the collective organization of the players is the best path forward for them to get the best possible deal. Uh, because what I would like to see, you know, as a, someone who's been watching college football my entire life, and as problematic as it is, I still love it and I still enjoy it. Um, I'd like to see the players have something similar to what we see in the NFL uh, and professional leagues where they have a unionized workforce that secures a, you know, league-wide collective bargaining agreement mm. that recognizes that there are different talent levels uh, and some players bring more value than others, but that everyone gets, you know, a decent deal. Everyone um, can, can be provided for in terms of health and benefits and safety. Right. Uh, and, you know, again, without that, you don't have a voice. Yep. And that's how so many workers in this country are living their, their lives in this economy is without that voice, no voice in the workplace uh, over their wages, their benefits, their safety, their conditions. And that's not acceptable. Workers have to organize. And I would encourage the college football players to do the same. Yep. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll, we'll be right back with Boss Watch. Stay tuned, folks. Don't go anywhere. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and neighbors are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough to keep their jobs. We need to fix this. Let's close the health care coverage gap. To learn more, visit CoverAlabama.org. 
Support for this program also comes from the Ironworkers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower-than-average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, Or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long-term, if you need Ironworkers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Ironworkers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. The Laborers International Union of North America, Local 366, is proudly recruiting North Alabama workers to work construction and nuclear plant maintenance. If you're interested, please contact Donna at their training center to start the process. That phone number is 256 415 Again, that phone number is 256-415-7452. No experience is needed. Free training is offered, but you must be able to pass a background check and a drug test. Local hiring that grows our community with good-paying jobs that have benefits is their mission. Live better. Work union. Local 366. Feel the power. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior Law. The name with proven results. As labor union members, we face our share of challenges in the workplace. But today, I want to talk about a different kind of challenge, the climate crisis. We've all seen the fury of Mother Nature, the storms that can turn lives upside down in an instant. That's why Hometown Action is launching our Climate Protection Project. We're heading out to 10 rural communities 
listening to local folks, and taking action with them to protect communities impacted by climate disasters. And we need you, our union brothers and sisters, to join us. Together, we'll make a difference. Our strength on the job is undeniable, and now it's time to put that strength to work for the planet. Let's protect our communities, our families, and our future. Visit hometownaction.org today and sign up to volunteer for the Climate Protection Canvas. Union Talk Radio Show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host Adam Keller. If you've got anything to add, you can send us a text message. The phone number is 844-899-8857. Um, we got a note in the chat that our audio, the show audio, was lower than the ads. So we tried to turn it up, I think. Um, sorry about that. We also got a text message from Randy from UAW Local 3047 out of Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Uh, he asks if we could speak on the NLRB ruling from August 25, 2023, the CMEX ruling, the famous CMEX ruling. Uh, and yeah, I can basically, you know, just say what the, what the consequences of it were. We, we, we did a deep dive on it or a deeper dive on it. Um, actually while it was working through the, you know, we, we did a deeper dive on the facts of the case while it was working through the NLRB. And then we talked some more about, okay, like what is the, what does it do now that it is the, you know, the law of the land. Uh, but I can absolutely reiterate it because it's a very, very consequential ruling from the National Labor Relations Board. Um, and, uh, Randy helpfully provided me the link to the press release from the NLRB. Thanks, Randy. Um, but, uh, they mentioned that, uh, so, so what this does, the CMEX ruling, is it revives in part the old Joy Silk standard of, um, you know, representation uh, elections and whether or not employer, like how much power employers have to, um, to force a uh, secret ballot election. And so the Joy Silk standard was that uh, basically employers had to prove that they had a good faith doubt that a union did not have a majority when they said they had a majority support. So if a union under Joy Silk, if a union comes up and says, look, we got a majority support for the union, recognize us. Uh, under Joy Silk, the employer, it was on the, the employer to prove we don't believe the union. We think they're lying. And that's why we want to have an election. Um, and so this, but the CMEX is different. And I think it really threads the needle really well. Um, I think it does, uh, um, I think you kind of get the best of both worlds there. But so under this framework, when a union comes to an employer on the basis that a majority of the employees in an appropriate bargaining unit have designated their union as their representative, as their bargaining representative, so union comes up, says, hey, look, we got a majority support among this bargaining unit. Recognize us as the union and begin bargaining for a contract. Okay. Under that situation, an employer must either recognize and bargain with the union immediately or promptly file a petition seeking a union election. And you've got to do that within 10 working days is my understanding. 
However, if an employer who seeks an election commits any unfair labor practice, regardless of how, you know, inconsequential, if they commit a single unfair labor practice during the course of an election, the petition will be dismissed and rather than rerunning the election, the board will order the employer to recognize and bargain with the union. And the legal theory there is that, look, if an employer breaks the law, <laughs> right, during a union election um, and illegally interferes in any way with their employee's right to a union, then that undercuts their claim to have had a good faith doubt that the union lacked a majority support for the union. Um, and so it, that, so then the, the theory says basically like, look, the, the employer was only acting in bad faith when they asked for an election. They knew the union had majority support among the bargaining unit. And so because of your uh, lawlessness and bad faith, uh, you have to recognize the union. You got to bargain with it. That's the new CMAX standard, and it's great. Okay. Uh, so last week in Southern Labor, we talk about what workers were up to last week in the Southern United States and the U.S. colonies. Um, we do the same thing for bosses because on the flip side, you know, uh, working folks are always, uh, you know, you, you turn on the local news, you're always seeing mugshots for this or that, you know, kind of petty crime generally. Um, and even up to murder, and bosses are doing that kind of stuff all the time, but you don't see their mugshots on the news, so uh, we, we're going to do what little we can to correct that. So here are the illegal activities of Southern bosses on the week ending on November 24th. Starting in Georgia, Papa John's Pizza will pay $175,000 and provide other relief to settle a disability discrimination lawsuit filed by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the federal agency announced last week. According to the lawsuit, in early 2020, Michael Barnes applied for a job at his local Papa John's restaurant in Athens, Georgia, after hearing from a friend that the company hired individuals with vision impairments. Barnes, who is legally blind, Blind and relies on his service dog for his commute, reached out to the local store manager and applied for a job. Barnes was hired, but could not start until his accommodation request to bring his service dog was formally granted by Papa John's. Papa John's denied Barnes's for, uh, accommodation request and fired him before he worked a single shift. That conduct violates the Americans with Disability Act, and so the EEOC filed suit in U.S. District Court after first attempting to reach a pre-litigation settlement. Under the two-year consent decree that resolved the lawsuit, Papa John's will pay $175,000 in monetary damages to Barnes. It will train its employees on the ADA, review its employment policies, and allow the EEOC to monitor complaints of discrimination or retaliation. Uh, Carla Gilbride, the EEOC's general counsel, says, not allowing blind and visually impaired people to travel to and from work in the way that affords them confidence and independence is akin to telling sighted workers who rely on the flexibility and independence of driving that they might that they may not travel to work by car. 
Heading over to South Carolina, a U.S. Department of Labor investigation has recovered $140,000 in back wages from a Spartanburg, North Carolina nursing home, a home health care provider that wrongly exempted 29 employees from overtime and failed to pay them proper wages in violation of federal regulations. The department's wage and hour division investigators found that Appella Health Management, operating as Spartanburg Regional Healthcare System, listed some occupational therapy Therapy and physical therapy assistance as overtime exempt and paid them on a per visit rate when, in fact, they did not meet the duties test for learned professionals. By doing so, the employer violated the Fair Labor Standards Act by not paying the additional time and a half rate for hours over 40 in a work week. Appella Health also failed to maintain records of hours worked by the affected workers. To use the learned professional employee overtime exemption, employers must meet several criteria and cannot apply the criteria randomly, said Wage and Hour Division District Director Jamie Benefield in Columbia, South Carolina. The Department of Labor is determined to protect the rights of the nation's healthcare workers, people who provide vital services to those in need and who deserve to be paid all of their legal wages and benefits in return for their hard work. Uh, rounding it out in Florida, a global, global manufacturer... Ma- <laughs> I'm sorry. A global manufacturer of industrial gas could have prevented a May 2023 explosion in High Springs, Florida that severely injured several employees by following required operating procedures in the manufacturing process, a U.S. Department of Labor investigation has found. After the explosion at Air Liquid Advanced Materials Incorporated, investigators with the department's Occupational and Safety and Health Administration initiated an inspection at the manufacturer site where Dibarane, a toxic, colorless, and pyrophoric gas, is produced, distilled, mixed, and transferred. OSHA determined the explosion occurred as a 25-year-old product technician used a heat gun to transfer gas from an aluminum source cylinder to a steel cylinder. The blast propelled the worker through the building's wall, causing several injuries, causing severe injuries. They were flown to UF Shands Hospital's trauma center and treated for brain injuries, third-degree burns, and a leg amputation. Four other workers also suffered various injuries and were treated at the hospital. In addition, first responders aiding in the employee's rescue suffered chemical burns to their hands and were also taken to the hospital's burn center. After its investigation, OSHA cited Air Liquid Advanced Metals for willfully exposing exposing workers to fire and explosion hazards by requiring them to use equipment not intrinsically safe in the presence of flammable chemicals and vapors. The agency also cited the employer for 12 serious violations, including the following. Not removing equipment in hazardous locations with ignitable or combustible properties of specific gases, vapors, dust, or fibers present, and not classifying buildings as process safety management sites properly and documenting that equipment complied with recognized good engineering practices. OSHA proposed 
about $200,000 in penalties to address the safety violations found in the investigation. And the company has 15 business days from receipt of the citations and penalties to comply to request an informal conference with OSHA or contest the findings. We have a few dishonorable mentions. The city of Livingston, Kentucky was under an evacuation order for most of Thanksgiving as a result of a derailed CSX freight train carrying sulfur that was breached, resulting in a chemical fire and a coating of the county in a mixture of sulfur dioxide and smoke from the fire. Residents said that you couldn't see three feet in front of your face. The U.S. Department of Labor assessed two North Carolina employers, McClenney Farms and Francisco Valdez, $140,000 in penalties after its investigation found they victimized non-immigrant farm workers by shortchanging 65 workers' wages and by trying to intimidate and seizing their passports. In addition to those penalties, the agency recovered about $100,000 in stolen wages from not meeting the federal minimum wage and from denying payment for the workers' first week on the job. Mm. The U.S. Department of Justice filed a complaint on behalf of the EPA against Chameleon LLC and Gary V. Lane to address violations of the Clean Water Act involving unauthorized discharges of dredged or fill material into wetlands adjacent to tributaries of the Chickahominy and Pamunkey Rivers in Ashland, Virginia. Um, so that's it for Boss Watch. We've got a, um, we've, uh, uh, you know, we've done a lot this year. And we're going to round out with a um, uh, with a, a one thousand dollar fundraising goal for us uh, to help us expand our fundraising efforts. So this thousand dollars that we want to raise, basically, we want to use that to be able to run a um, a really uh, a well organized fundraising campaign in the next year. So paying for postage, paying for um, Flyers and letters to go out to potential donors and potential sponsors, unions, labor councils, uh, you know, um, labor lawyers, labor friendly organizations, stuff like that. Um, that's what we want to use this one thousand dollars for um, to be able to fund a uh, uh, a fundraising campaign uh, to start the year in twenty twenty four. And uh, we are looking to expand our radio footprint. Um, you know, the, the right wing and, and creeps like Rush Limbaugh took over the radio and, and uh, you know, organized labor has got a lot of money. So uh, <laughs> so we, we could do that if we wanted to. And we want to uh, uh, we want to help make that happen. Um, we have our eyes set on several media markets um, in Alabama and across the South. But we got to have money to make that happen. So so that that's what we want to do. We want to raise a thousand dollars by the end of the year to help us kick off a, uh, a fundraising campaign in 2024. Uh, so I- I'm going to set up a link. I'm going to set up a, uh, a donation link for a, f- a, f- a fundraiser where we can see and track the progress, and y'all can see and track the progress. In the meantime, though, if you want to go ahead and donate to us, or if you're not a recurring donor and you, you, know, you regularly listen to the program, then do consider becoming a uh, you know uh, a regular monthly donor tvlr.fm slash donate if you can't do that but you've got a little extra scratch on you this week you can also make a one time donation at the same link tvlr.fm slash donate 
Um, and we would really appreciate it. We'd really appreciate your support. Uh, that's how we're able to do the show. You know, it costs a lot of money. Uh, we pay to be on the radio uh, on two commercial radio stations. We are uh, we get to be on the radio for free on a nonprofit um, radio station in New Orleans because they like us. Um, but we do pay uh, to be on two commercial radio stations, and so that takes money. We also pay everybody that's not myself or Adam. We pay everybody involved in the project $20 an hour. Uh, so we are uh, we're reasonably proud of that. Obviously, you know, $20 an hour is, uh, you know, we'd like to be able to pay more. Um, but, uh, you know, for, the, for, the, for what we're doing, I think we're... I think we're doing pretty good by uh, paying $20 an hour. We are, you know, cooperatively, democratically run. Um, I can't, neither myself nor Adam can just fire somebody. We're democratically run. We got to run big decisions like that through the entire project, uh, through a, you know, democratic decision-making process. Um, So we, we, uh, you know, try to live our values in that way. So yeah, tvlr.fm slash donate if you could uh, donate, help us um, kick off the next year right by um, by having a organized and professional fundraising campaign and um, trying to get on more radio stations. I don't know if Adam, uh, well, we've, we've only got a couple of minutes, um, so we can go ahead and do the plugs. Uh, Labor Notes is, uh, they're doing a series of online trainings as they always do this month. They have caucus development getting started. Uh, that's going to be on December the 7th. So check that out. What to do when your union breaks your heart is going to be on December 5th. Find out more at labornotes.org slash events. You can also sign up for their, um, conference in April at the same link. Uh, you want to go ahead and, um, you want to go ahead and register, get that early bird, uh, registration, 140 bucks, uh, super cheap for probably the, I mean, the best union convention around. I've never been to one that is more fulfilling, interesting, useful, or galvanizing and inspiring. I mean, there's just no contest. If you want to go to a union convention, you want to go to Labor Notes. Adam is working with Alabama Arise to develop and host an advocacy training in January in the Huntsville area. Let him know if you're interested and you got ideas. Um, he may do an Alabama issue preview on Zoom the second week of December if there's enough interest. So holler at Adam for that. Um, Adam at alarise.org. That's your email, right? Yes. Adam at alarise.org. The Tennessee Valley Progressive Alliance is holding its next meeting December 5th in the main Huntsville Library Auditorium at 6 p.m. And uh, there continue to be protests in Decatur regarding the police killing of Steve Perkins. We've also seen protests in Huntsville regarding violence in Palestine and the Congo. There are groups meeting every month in the area, like the North Alabama DSA and the Huntsville Citizens Climate Lobby, that are trying to make a difference. So if you're in the Tennessee Valley and want to get involved, you can, and we encourage you to. And in every union and every labor council, there's a need for more uh, more volunteers wherever you live. One of the most important things you can do to grow working class power and build a better future is to get involved in your union and or labor council. If you don't have one, now's the time. Check out our Unions 101 and 201 playlists on our YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, that's going to be up for it for us this week, folks. Appreciate everybody's time. No overtime this week. So we'll see you next week. <laughs>